Welcome to the Soul Seekers Podcast with your host, Lily. See this podcast as your source of inspiration for all things manifestation, spirituality, and adventures beyond our physical reality. My intention with this podcast is to help walk you home. We all have a beautiful story to tell, and I love deep diving into the world of spirituality because that's where our stories begin. And so see this as your great awakening to begin questioning life beyond our physical reality and start to really wake up to your soul's destiny. I'm so excited for you to be here today. My name is Lily and I am your host. I'm a manifestation coach and mentor and my company is called This Must Be It because this must be it. All the answers that you've been seeking when it comes to your purpose, your destiny, and the life you're meant to live. I have a deep love for all things spirituality, experiences, and storytelling. So if you're ready, let's walk each other home and manifest our destinies. Thank you for tuning in. I can't wait to get started. Hello, and welcome to Soul Seekers Podcast with your host, Lily. Today's episode is a little bit of a different episode. It's one that I've been leading up to telling Welcome to the Soul Seekers Podcast. If you're new here, binge my first few episodes because I do explain that one day I will tell this story. But this episode is called My Life in Asia. It's almost the like nine-year anniversary of when I decided to pack up my bags and move to Asia. <laughs> I actually did it twice. Um, but yeah, I think this is important to tell because, you know, it is these stories and these experiences in life that shape us to become who we're meant to be. And the story is actually um, really shows you that experience in life trumps everything, everything that we know. And it really explains why I am the way I am. And uh, it's just a really crazy story. I truly feel like I could write a book on it. But let's go. I'm going to leave and speak and allow this to free flow. It's been so many years since I've really talked about it. And there's only so many people that know about it because when either they were my friend at the time and I was going through this experience, not tons of my actual friends at home know about this experience because it was quite uh, traumatizing and scary and crazy. And sometimes people don't really believe it until they're like, wow, that's actually true. And yeah, now that I look back at my pictures that of this life that I experienced ugh, nine years ago, it's pretty cool to tell that I could check this off as a actual thing that I experienced and not just something I watched out of a movie. So my name is Lily. I'm a conscious creation coach and success coach. And one of my real core philosophies in life is to actually define what your own version of success is. And for me, success is being able to look back at my life and know that I don't and I will not live with any regrets. I've experienced all that life has to offer and um, just really went for it. And I really think that's funny because recently... um, I've been exploring my gene keys and if you're not familiar with gene keys, basically it's like this idea of like 
um, how do I explain it? There, it's from human design, but basically it's like a system that explains your hidden purpose locked in your DNA. So I recently just finished and did my Gene Keys, which you can find on like genekeys.com. It's a free website. All you have to do is put in your time of birth, just so much human design, but then it goes even more into detail into like what, like, what your purpose is. So interestingly enough, if you've been following my podcast for some time, I always talk about how my po- how my purpose is to help other people find their purpose. And like I said, I've recently just been exploring my jinkies. And the hilarious part is it says that my purpose in life is to live my purpose so that everyone within my sphere of influence becomes inspired to live their purpose too. I am not joking. This literally is what my dream keys says. And I always tell you guys that my life purpose is to help more people actualize their life purpose. So that's how I really fulfill my life purpose by completely living my life and then allowing and leading and inspiring and empowering people to live theirs as well. And in that experience as well, I really am someone that um, does that by embracing all the fears there are when it comes to life. So really getting uncomfortable, really stepping outside of your comfort zone and also sitting with your fears. And that's why a lot of the work I do, I do a lot of work with shadow work, unconscious work, um, generational healing, just like really looking at things that we don't really always want to look at. And I think that's part of life and the human experience. Along with that as well, like there's this part within Jinkies that explains what I'm here to do. My What I'm here to do, it says I'm here to live a life of adventure. And that means that it's not just a life of adventure for me, but everyone that I touch and everyone that comes into my contact sphere. And, I'm, and it says at the end of it, your job is to bring some uh, some some to the spirits of others and primarily through laughing at yourself and at life. Okay. That's like pretty freaking true because um, <laughs> I love laughing and I do try to be the comedian and try to bring different aspects into group dynamics. But also the adventure part is funny because I, re- I have one client in the past, I told her, you know, you got to get out your, outside of your comfort zone. And she took it so literally that that weekend, she's like, I'm going bungee jumping. And I'm like, huh? Okay, You're like you took it seriously, really literal, but okay, go for it. And, you know, in that experience, I mean, obviously, going bungee jumping is outside anyone's comfort zone. And she did it. And she's like, yeah, like, I literally had a rebirth because, you know, you do something super scary, you pretty much die, your ego dies in that moment. And then you have a rebirth. So, I mean, I think that's really hilarious. And I think um, why this has a lot to do with my Asia or my life in Asia, it just, it just speaks to the entire experience that I had because I have a lot of friends that lived in Asia and they didn't, did not have the experience that I had. I mean, we all had our own, we all have our own unique stories and how we experience life. But um, yeah, so a little bit of background about me. If you're not following me on Instagram yet, my Instagram is this must be Lily. Um, I come from an Asian background, so my mom is Shanghainese and my dad is Vietnamese. The interesting thing about them is they actually both escaped their home country during, you know, uh, 
a political unrest. So my mom left China during the fall of Tiananmen Square, and my dad left Vietnam during the Vietnam War. So freedom is really big uh, aspect of like who I am and everything that I do. So relating back to Gene Keys, relating back to all my experiences, and relating back to just my entrepreneurial journey and why I seek entrepreneurship and why it's in my blood and why, you know, I'm so adamant and so passionate about entrepreneurship because I really think when you step into that level of your life, you're really not only just like going on a spiritual journey, but you're looking to build a life outside of your current circumstances. Uh, so I always have been passionate about entrepreneurship and how to really step into it. So anyways, that's a little bit of background about me and to like kind of give you a little bit of insight why all of this like ties together and why it just really defines who I am today. So like nine years ago now, I was like finishing off university. I went to university and like uh, finished a degree in business. And I just remember like in university, one of my goals and one of my dreams was to like live abroad. So in business school, I applied to an internship or a live abroad, study abroad program in Hong Kong. But through a series of events, I didn't end up going. I did all things, the applications, all of it. But I was dating someone at that time and we were new in a relationship. And, you know, they said, like, if you go, it's going to really uh, affect our relationship. Well, then I didn't go. Right. I think this is really comes back to why I'm the way I am today, because I've realized like you never should ever live your life according to anyone else and just do the things that let you up because, you know, they, you are here to experience your own life. And if you're changing your life and your dreams for your partner, they may not be the right person because evidently we're not together today. And it should never be like, you have to meet me here. It has to be like, you meet me halfway. It's the way, same way the universe works. It's the same way partnerships work. So, you know, I really did let go of that dream when I was in university. And yeah, like, it's interesting because as soon as I got out of that relationship, as soon as I finished school, I literally was like, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to move abroad because that is my dream. Um, and so I did. Uh, so as soon as I finished university, I was like, I don't know. I really want to go to Shanghai. My mom's from Shanghai. I haven't been there for 10 years. I heard it's wicked. I heard it's cool. Let's do it. So I just like literally put it into the good old Google and I found this internship program, which was called like CRCC Asia. I don't know if they're still around, but basically they like you pay them a fee and then they line you up with like Chinese school housing and like an internship. So I did a two month internship. So this is my first time in Asia, first time ever traveling alone um, abroad and first time like being on my own, like not living under my parents control. So like 22 years old, uh, I paid the $4,000 and I told my parents like, oh, I got an internship to go to Asia. So I'm going <laughs> and they're like, okay, cool. Whatever. You're finishing school. Go ahead. Um, so I went and the program is like basically one month in a company interning and then one month in Shang like Chinese school. Well, uh, this program was 
seriously one of the best things ever and I will promote my kids to do it I mean I know what I experienced and you can't stop them from growing up but frick it was so cool because literally met people from all over the world people from Bangladesh to Nigeria to Australia to England and there was like between like 60 to 80 of us at one given time we were all living in this like crazy apartment complex in Shanghai we had our own room um, on condos and we just like we're all there on the same kind of mission like to have the experience of living in China and it was so much fun like we all had internships I'm pretty sure none of us went to our internships um, okay I'm not I don't want to like classify that and just say everyone didn't do it but like you know it was like we were there to experiment and have fun and it was crazy like Shanghai if you've never been to the city I don't know if it's the same but I believe the population of Shanghai alone is between 24 to 30 million people in one city. It is a melting pot, a metropolitan city. It's New York on steroids. Um, you can find the best cuisine in the world there. You can find um, like, you know, street food that is so good, so cheap. You can find like all the fake things that you want you can find all the bougie things that you want that are real. Like it, it is one of the places where you can truly find and experiment and experience and meet everyone from every type of walk of life. So yeah, like it was such a crazy experiment and experience because, you know, I was 22 at the time. I knew I had a time frame that I was there for only two months. So I just really didn't go to my internship. I went, but I really wasn't there. Because like, if you have ever worked for a Chinese company in China, it's so different. It's such a mind trip. You know, in North American culture, a lot of our mindset is like work that nine to five. In China, it's like work eight to eight. And then in the in between from eight to 12 hour shift that you put in, you take naps, you cook dinner at the office, you just like live at the office. So every table, they had like um, pillows so that you could take naps, like it was allowed that you could take naps. Um, rice cookers at work just a really weird experience but I'm super grateful I got to experience that so yeah my internship it was a wild experience we just basically like partied every day experienced all that Shanghai had to experience as an expat as someone that had you know a time frame that we were only there for a little bit of time I made some great friends some great relationships some great memories and then it was kind of like over and we went home. We all like went back to our lives in our own countries. So I went home and I like was like, okay, time to walk the stage, time to graduate, time to get to my degree. And I remember like going home and then like, this adventure is not over for me. I'm not ready for it to be over. So as soon as I got home, I made this decision, like, do I go back to working? Do I go back to getting a full-time HR job or do I go and pursue this dream of living in Asia? I obviously pursued the dream of going and living in Asia and I think a part of it was fueled by my drive to be an entrepreneur and try something different. Um, when I was in China, I had this like deep obsession with buying street jewelry like all over China in the street markets on the on the ground there are people and merchants just selling like costume jewelry and I bought so much that my suitcase was like overweight but I just loved it so much and I thought oh gosh I want to go back to China and I'm going to start 
business, uh, e-commerce business before it even became big and ship it back to Canada. So this was my mindset when I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I booked a ticket to China, one way to Shanghai. I think I booked it for like either, I want to say I booked it for November 11, 11, 11. This was before I really became like spiritual. I just like was like 11, 11, you know, make a wish. So guys, I, um, you know, how do you break it to your parents who left Asia to create a better life for you and then go and then move back to the country where they tried to leave? Obviously, my mom was like, what the heck? Like, why are you doing this? Like, that's crazy. We left to give you a better life and now you're going back. But, you know, just like how my parents are really brave and just like we how we create stories in our mind, why, you know, why we shouldn't do something because people are going to judge us. People are going to stop us. People are going to like say no and crush our dreams. I went and my parents supported me. They dropped me off at the airport. They, you know, were like, you know, we trust you. We have faith and belief that you're going to come back alive and eventually come back. Like I booked a one-way ticket. I had no plans to come back. So it is truly shaping your own reality in your mind that it's going to be okay. Like I booked the ticket before I had the permission to go. I booked the ticket before I had a job. I booked the ticket before I even knew where I was living and what I was going to do. But it's just like I really had that faith and conviction that I was going to live abroad and I was going to live in Shanghai and I was going to pursue this dream of living abroad. So by this time, I'm like 23, one-way ticket, booked to Shanghai, nothing lined up. I only have like a holiday visa, like a tourist visa. I'm like, you know what, let's go. Okay. So like leading up to going to Shanghai, I was preparing, like, I don't even know how you prepare. I wasn't even applying for jobs, to be honest, because it's hard when you're back in Canada to apply for a job in China. And so a lot of my friends that were there, they said that you have to be there to get the job. So I really, really led from that place. And leading up to there, I didn't have anywhere to stay, but one of my friends from the CRCC program was, he ended up staying there longer. He was one of my really good friends. He's Australian. He's a super smart guy. He's like freaking photographic memory, lawyer. He's also a pilot, just like a, also mad magician. Really, really good friend. Speaks freaking fluent ass Mandarin, but he's an Australian guy. So I was like, I'm gonna move to Shanghai. He's like, yeah, 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 come. like. So you could stay on our on our couch and stuff. And I was like, sure. So I kind of like had that set up. And I did tons of couch surfing in this experience. But I ended up following someone off Instagram at this time back nine years ago when Instagram looks completely different. And she was an Edmonton girl, which is where I'm from, living in Shanghai. And she followed me back and we started a conversation. And the conversation was like, she was like, are you an Edmonton girl living in Shanghai? And I was like, no, but I'm moving there like next month. So we started talking, we started exchanging emails. We started talking through WeChat and we just like started to build this relationship. She's like, what are you going to do when you get here? I was like, not really sure. I just have this desire to move there. And so she offered me her couch she's like i don't know you we have some mutual friends but i did a vibe check you seem all right so do you want to stay on my couch like just because you know i think you know you want to help people out like i mean i don't know if i would do that but 
I mean, I'm so grateful she did because it gave me a place to land and I could have stayed on my friend's couch, but like staying at a bachelor pad compared to staying at a stranger's place, I don't know which option is more safe or cleaner or better, but I just followed my gut and I decided to book that one way ticket, pack the bag, uh, and go to Shanghai, China. So if I was already taking all these risks, might as well take this risk and stay with the nice girl that I met off Instagram. So flew out to China. The crazy part is like, actually, as I recall this time frame in my life, flying to China, I actually don't even remember being stressed about going and like trying to figure everything out. I just really held on to this faith and conviction and this belief that it was gonna work out. So I arrived, I met this girl who I never met before. We didn't even do a FaceTime call. And I was like, hey, what's up? And we just like hit it off. And <laughs> we, we, I like stayed on her couch for like a week. She brought me around, introduced me to a bunch of Canadians and friends that she had, which was great because it built a foundation. I didn't know tons of people there, but Shanghai is such a versatile and friendly city because everyone is not from there. So to be a snob is actually like the worst thing ever because you're like, it's the expat community is big, but not that big. And also like everyone wants, everyone's not from there. So it doesn't hurt to help people out. So super grateful for her because she like paved the way for me in, in the sense of like really showing me what this life looked like outside of the CRCC Asia experience, which was we were all students or graduates. She was like a working professional in Shanghai. All her friends were working professionals in Shanghai. So it was, it was really cool to kind of like see life from a different perspective because the perspective I had a couple months back was we're students, we want to find the places that have the cheap drinks to go out. Her life was like, we're expats, we're here living the high life and we're here to really live it up. So I got to experience that. So basically the first week I was in Shanghai, I found a uh, room to rent, which ended up being across the street from her. The crazy part is I ended up renting this place the whole time that I lived there. And I just rented the room and I had two other roommates who I never ever saw. We basically all just like use this this like condo as our living space. but. The, the entire experience when I was in China, I never actually like cooked a meal at home. I never actually like sat down and like did anything and like lived a normal life. It was really just like a fast pace on the go all the time. And that's why I think the way I am now, it's because I lived this life where it was really suitcase life um, for so long. And, you know, the cool part was I got to experience this and it was ended up being not as long as I wanted it to be because all of the things that happened, but I still don't regret it. It still was such a crazy experience and it still shapes me and gives me great stories today. But um, yeah, so first week I found a place that I ended up staying at and then I got a job within the first week that I moved to Shanghai too. You know the quote where they say, your network is your net worth? That's like 1000% true because my network got me my job 
when I came back to Canada, but it also got me my job when I was in Shanghai. So I had a friend who's um, from uh, Edmonton and he knew someone that owned a business in Shanghai. So he's like, hey, so you don't have uh, anything lined up there? I'm like, no. He's like, let me connect you with my friend. Maybe he can help you out. So he connected me and I messaged him and he's like, yeah, come down to my office. Let's chat. And as soon as I sat down with him, he was like, okay, cool. So you speak English, you have a Canadian passport, so you can travel anywhere. Um, do you want to help me expand my business to like Hong Kong and Singapore and all these places? And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like what kind of business? He's like, oh, it's just like a trading company. I'm like, okay, sure. And then he's like, let's, let's do it. What do you want for salary? And I said, X amount. He gave me X amount. And he's like, okay, you start next week. Uh, go set up a bank account and let's get started. I was like, damn, that was really easy. So I ended up, um, yeah, getting a job within the first week I was there. And because I had a Canadian passport, because a Canadian passport is like one of the best passports to have. You can travel in and out of countries really easily. You don't need visas for every country that don't require visas, which is really nice because having a Chinese passport limits you quite a bit. You have to get a visa for every country that you go to. Um, so it was such a wild experience. I like it happened so quickly. I was like, sure, I don't even know what I'm doing, but let's do it. So I ended up like working for this Chinese company, very much Chinese company. Um, you know, he inherited the company from his parents, which is a trading company and they work with raw materials. And this is where things get like crazy later on. But that that's part of like Chinese culture. And so I really worked for this company. I helped um, him translate documents. I went to like trade shows being the English speaking representative. It was a really weird experience because I, when I think back to it, I don't even remember what I did for the entire time that I was working there, but I always got paid. Um, you know, I was always included. No one could speak to me because everyone spoke in Chinese and there was only one girl in the office or two girls in the office that spoke English. So it was quite boring, but it is what it is. And it was part of the experience. So yeah, my life in Shanghai was so different because being an expat in a different country with no agenda of when you're going to go home. Also, I was there on a tourist visa. So I had to leave the country every three months to renew my visa. And then if I, I only had two entries and because I was being like employed by a Chinese company, you know, like we waited till my visas expired before I went and got a new one. This also ties back to my story later on. So we like started working for this company, started living in Shanghai, started experiencing all that Shanghai had to offer from, you know, the lifestyle that I had, I had, I was waking up from Monday to Friday doing the nine to five grind, which was waking up, going, getting Shalong Bao for like 50 cents, going to the office, doing some work, which I still don't remember what I was doing getting lunch which is like getting a 10 to 20 dollar salad because salads are so expensive in china so it's actually cheaper to eat on the street but it's also way more unhealthy but way more delicious so this was my life and then after work like i said i never cooked a meal so i was always going to see who would have dinner with me and you know i was there by myself so sometimes i have dinner by myself too so really i learned so many skill sets when i lived there i really grew as a person so this happened for months and like it was a, such a cool experience because when I first got there 
um, I made friends really quickly. Like going out and clubbing in Shanghai, you make friends so quickly because everyone is so friendly. Everyone, well, I mean, from my experience, everyone seems very friendly and welcoming. Um, but uh, the first week that I lived in Shanghai, I actually had a friend who ended up moving or coming to Shanghai just for fun, traveling on his own from Edmonton. So I was like, oh, cool. So we hung out a lot. We went like clubbing out a lot. And um, actually very grateful for him too because uh, we went clubbing one night and we got invited to this table with a bunch of Australians. I don't remember this night, but got invited to this club table with all these Australians and we exchanged WeChats. And then um, the next day, I just like got these messages from this girl and she's like, do you want to come go-karting? And I didn't even know or remember who this person was, but I was like, sure. So I messaged my friend and I was like, hey, do you want to come with me go-karting with some people that we met clubbing last night? And he's like, okay, cool. So it is kind of cool because I when I went there, the timing was perfect. I had a friend that was there so i didn't have to do things completely alone um and we went go-karting with these people and it was so funny because i don't even remember meeting them and they were like wow you just came to meet up with some complete strangers and i was like i mean i came this far so might as well right they ended up being this like amazing group of australian people that housed me and like became my family for like three months they were students they were all there learning mandarin they rented this like sick ass house in like near the Shanghai University. It's like a three-story house. And there was like six of them that lived there. And I ended up being their like adopted roommate and like just living with them all the time. So that's why I said when I rented my room, I literally only went to my place to take a shower and change clothes. Yeah, it was so wild. So I lived with them for a couple months and we just like partied all the time. Shanghai is such a diverse city with clubbing and partying and drinking and experiencing pretty much Monday to Sunday, every given night, there is one club that is having a special that everyone goes to that people rotate between. There's like very Chinese clubs, which are mostly geared towards the locals, but a lot of people go there because you can listen to EDM music. And then there are the westernized clubs that play the hip hop music. They play the like, tra like kind of different alternative music. And that's where you'll see the expats that come for the drinks and the mingling. So China is a mixed bag of all of it. And then on the weekends, it's the same street. There's one street in Shanghai. I don't even know if it's still there, but it's called Yangkong Lu, one street in the French concession. There's an area in Shanghai that is completely all French buildings. It was occupied by the French beautiful, beautiful architecture, but one street where it's just literally all these streets and all these restaurants that are owned by expats where people go and drink and people just like, basically you can't even walk across the street because there's so many expats just like drinking on the streets. And the crazy part is like Chinese people are living on top of the restaurants. So like Yang Kong Lu would go and get crazy wild on the weekends like at any given time you would walk down Yang Kong Lu on the weekend and you would see someone that you know and you'd meet someone new it was just the place where you could get pizza where you get anything that was westernized it was on Yang Kong Lu so life in Shanghai was like very became like this like routine where it's like Tuesday nights we go here Wednesday nights we go here after we go here we go to Hollywood my life in Shanghai was literally party from 12 until 6 a.m every given night on work nights too so it was 
I felt like I was living on this high on the fumes of the pollution. I was living on the fumes of like lack of sleep. I was living on just the real true essence of what I call the high life when I was there. And I mean, I don't regret it, but I definitely think I took some like years off my life in that experience. So this happened for a couple months where I was just like partying, experiencing life. I never started that jewelry business. I never did the things that I said I was going to do when I was there because I was so occupied by the lights, the glamour, the experiences, the people, the partying. So it kind of came to like this like interesting end when um, my friends from Australia all ended up finishing their program and then they went home for for Christmas, pretty much. They were graduating, they finished up. And I had like a few sets of friends in Shanghai, which were like my Australian friends, my Canadian friends, and then my friends that were like from different parts, like New Zealand, Thailand, stuff like that. So once they started to leave, I started to like, okay, well, I got to like actually get back into living in Shanghai. And um, once my Australian friends left, I actually got sent out with my job and my company. They were like, oh, we need you to go to Hong Kong. We need you to set up a company in Hong Kong. So I was like, okay, sure. So I ended up going to Hong Kong. Um, and then I ended up going to Vietnam for personal reasons and living in Vietnam for a while. I don't even want to go into that story. It was like so it had to do with like a relationship and all that stuff. But I ended up being in Vietnam for a month, which actually in China – it was during Chinese New Year, and in China, in Chinese New Year, basically China closed down, all of Asia closes down for like a, a one-month period during Chinese New Year. So all the factories closed down, all the businesses closed down. So I basically had a one-month holiday paid, and my boss also gave me a bonus for Chinese New Year. So life in China is so wild. Um, so I ended up living in Vietnam for a month, and then came back and yeah just like still not doing my jewelry business and um I ended up in March I believe my boss at the time was like all right I need you to move to Singapore I'm like what I'm gonna move to Singapore he's like okay you don't have to move there but why don't you just go there for like two weeks and help me set up a company and um yeah we'll go from there and i'm like okay sure like i've never been to singapore why not all expenses paid so i ended up going to singapore we booked a hotel for two weeks i think like the first week that i was there he's like okay go set up like office like go look at offices because i want to set up an office in singapore and i was like okay so i went and looked at offices a lot of like kind of we work style offices and I ended up, oh my gosh, the office that I ended up renting for him, like I didn't, I was just like going and being the legs and doing all of this. The office that I ended up renting for him was like, if you've ever seen Singapore, um, it's right in the center of Singapore where basically right across, the sh right across like where the window where you could see was a view of Marina Bay Sands, which is the iconic Singapore landscape and picture and everything. So I ended up renting this office for him. That was like within the first week I was there and then helped him incorporate a business because he was uh, setting up a trading company there. And then um, 
it's like one week left. I only had like one week left on my hotel, but I still didn't have a flight home to Shanghai. And I was like, hey, like, you know, I kind of need to go back to Shanghai. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I need you to now look for an apartment. Like, you're going to live there. And I'm like, huh? Like, what? I don't get it. Like, um, I still have an apartment in Shanghai. I have friends there. I was not, you said two weeks. What? <sighs> this is where things get so crazy. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll go look for a condo. He's like, just look for a condo. It'll just be somewhere you can go to, but you'll still be in Shanghai, so you just go back and forth. I'm like, okay, what's my budget? Like, what am I looking for? He's like, let's find a two-bedroom condo. Like, your budget is like $4,000 Singapore every month. I'm like, okay, sure. So I found a realtor, and then like, we went like exploring to different places in Singapore. Oh my gosh, the condos in Singapore are like next level. The living in Singapore is something else. Like, um, we went to go look at different places. Singapore is quite a small island. I think you can drive from one side to the other in two hours. But the things that we went to go look at, like this realtor was bringing me like to these complexes that are very much similar to like, like there will be like six condo complexes but in the middle there's like 20 pools and like 20 barbecue pits and like all these amenities and this was just a condo i was like what that's insane so i went to like see like six condos and i ended up um finding a two brand new two bedroom condo pretty much 20 minute walking distance to the center of singapore um this condo is beautiful. It's a brand new building called Spottiswood. And we ended up, um, yeah, renting a two bedroom with a balcony. Uh, I had like four pools, all the stuff. And I was like, okay, so what do I do now? Like, what do you want me to do next? Like I, I found the condo, he paid for the condo. And then he's like, okay, now you go and furnish it. I'm like, huh? Like, this is so crazy right now. Like, when am I going back to Shanghai? Like, am I trapped here? But you know, you kind of have to go with the flow sometimes. So I went with the flow and I ended up, you know, buying furniture, furnishing the place, very bare minimum because I was like, am I staying here? Like what's happening? I ended up staying in Singapore for like six weeks. I ended up, you know, living at this condo. I ended up just like being like this liaison for his business and office from here to Singapore. Um, and I kept on asking him, I was like, hey, when am I going back to Shanghai? Because I, I literally had a life in Shanghai. I had friends there, had like my apartment, all my things locked in this room that like I barely went to. And it was like, it was such a crazy experience. But I mean, I couldn't also complain because like I was getting paid more because I was living in a more expensive city. So he upped my pay. He gave me a food allowance because I was living in a more expensive city. He also gave me a clothing allowance because I did not pack for Singapore because I went from Shanghai to Singapore and the weather is completely like going from, you know, Vancouver to the tropics. So I literally had to buy all brand new clothes when I was there. And it was just so wild, this entire experience. I was 23 years old. I was living in Singapore. I didn't know when I was going to go home. And what the tipping point was and why this experience was so crazy and why it's so stressful and like why I haven't really shared it is that like, you know, 
this is also why I have the idea that money is just like numbers and, and sometimes things are just so factitious is that, you know, he was setting up this company and making me run around and do all these things and being the liaison and almost like using me as like this puppet um, so that he could like funnel money out of China. <laughs> and it wasn't until like six weeks in that I was there um, doing all these things that I started to realize like what I was doing. Like I was like, I didn't even know. I thought he was just like actually trading. He was actually, you know, working with investors and all that stuff because there was one time when he came to China or from China to Singapore for business meetings. But prior to this business meeting and, you know, I'm super grateful that I actually built this skill set is that he's like, make, I'm coming to um, Singapore for like one day. I want you to make as many appointments as possible with banks and lenders. Okay, guys, I'm like 23 years old. I don't even know what this company does. And I'm like, okay. So literally, this is where I built my cold calling skills, my emailing skills. I was calling banks and I was like, hello, like, this is me. And I, this is the company that I'm with. And we want to talk about how to borrow and trade resources. Uh like, I'm, I didn't even know. But in that one day that he came, we went to six meetings with banks. Every single major bank in Singapore. I was able to somehow get into every single major bank in Singapore. Um, Chinese banks as well. And uh, he was like, wow, like, great job. And the way Chinese people do business, and I don't want to classify, but the way Chinese people do business is very different from Westerners. And Singapore is actually quite structured as well. So actually, one of the banks that he really wanted to talk to, he already had connections. So was just um, we were just going for lunch with them. And he actually, we went for lunch with them. He's like, okay, cool. Like, you're going to give us this, and we're going to do these deals and stuff like that. And at the end of the lunch, he like, pulls out a bag and in the bags he has new iPhones. He bought a Bottega Veneta bag and he's trying to give it to these bankers. And they're like, they're like, take it. And they're like, oh, okay. But then like literally right after, like, no, we can't take it. Cause it's going to be like, we are doing you a favor when we return to the office with a new iPhone, a new purse, like things like that. But in China, this is normal. But Singapore is actually quite westernized and quite structured so that ended up not happening he's like oh okay whatever so we ended up still getting everything done super happy he ended up flying back to shanghai now he's still in singapore and he's like yeah you just stay for a couple more days you gotta figure stuff out blah 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 blah, blah. i'm like okay when i was living in singapore i was not doing anything i was hanging out by the pool because it's not like i had work to do so i was hanging out by the pool once in a while i'd go to our office that we rented just to like kind of be in the presence of people and also show that like this was real office um yeah it was a really like i look back at this time in my life and it should have been something really cool to experience for someone my age but it was also really stressful because i had no idea and no control of my life because when i couldn't leave this country um he started to try to apply for a work permit for me to live in singapore but it kept on getting rejected because to 
be an expat in Singapore, you have to have a really high sought out skill set because the Singaporean government wants to give all their jobs to their locals. And it's only those high skill set roles like executives or, you know, programmers or whatever that you can get the work permits to live in Singapore. And, you know, I didn't have that skill set to get the job and the work permit. So I kept on getting rejected. So I couldn't stay in Singapore. And Singapore's uh, visa is quite easy, but it's for visitors, it's every 30 days. So I actually had to leave because I was there longer than I was almost pushing the 30 days for my visa. So I actually said to him, I was like, I got to leave because my visa is running out. So he's like, okay, where do you want to go? He booked me a flight and I went to us. I went from Singapore to Sydney, Australia to visit some friends, my Australian friends for three days. And I came back to Singapore because when you come back to Singapore, then you get another 30-day tourist visa. So this was really stressful because my life, everything was out of my control. So this is where things and my story gets so crazy is that like, here I am, I don't have a home, right? I, you know, I have this two-bedroom condo, this beautiful two-bedroom condo in Singapore, but I'm not a resident there. So I have to leave every 30 days because I'm still waiting for my work permit and I, it keeps on getting rejected. I'm not a citizen or someone within Shanghai or China right now because, I mean, I'm traveling and I haven't been there, but I have a bedroom with all my stuff in it. But I also don't have a work permit because he said he was going to apply for it when I come back. And I'm like 20 hours away from home, from anyone that is like close to me or that can save me. So like, what is a girl to do? I, I'm telling you guys, I don't know, I'm even telling you all of it, but I was 23 years old at this time. Like, what is a girl to do? So I remember I was experiencing like extreme stress, anxiety, because I had no control of my life. I had no idea where the direction I was going. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, like, this is so great. Like, you're just like living in Singapore and getting paid all this money and doing all these things and da 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 da. And I was like, you don't even understand the emotional turmoil that I'm going through right now because I don't know where I'm meant to go. I don't have a visa for Singapore. I don't have a visa for Shanghai. I'm like so far away from home. And every day I was like crying because I was so stressed. And no one sees that. They only see the things on the outside on social media. Oh, wow, you're living the high life. You're living in Singapore. You're living in Shanghai. But guys... I know where to go. And now that I like, I'm telling you guys this, and now that I'm like sharing this, I feel like it's healing me a little bit because it was really traumatizing. I didn't have anywhere to go. Like I was like, basically my fate was being controlled by someone. And um, what really like every day leading up to, I was like, so I was depressed and I was like, I don't even know what to do. And I was so grateful because I did um, connect with some friends that lived that were Canadians or Americans um, through friends from Shanghai that knew people in Singapore. And they were so great because they like, you know, brought me out and like tried to help me. But like, I can only help myself because what can they do? And so, yeah, 
every day it was just like trying to cope with like this like ambiguity of my life and where the heck was I supposed to go and what direction was I supposed to take and so there were so many other things that were happening in the background like heartbreak and blah 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 whatever that's nothing now compared to like literally having nowhere to go no foundation and I was so far from home and I didn't want to tell my parents because like how do you tell them that like you're being held like almost like hostage and you can't you have nowhere to go so I didn't want to stress them out because it was like not like I was being kidnapped or it it was like this internal kidnapping that I was going through. So how I would cope every day was like I literally go for a swim, be in the sun, ground myself, and watch so much Ellen DeGeneres. So that's why I'm so grateful for her. I don't care what anyone says about her. She saved me when I was living in Singapore <laughs> because it was my way to cope with the anxiety that I was going through. And um, what broke the camel's back for me and like why I had to like go back and just I had to leave I had to cut everything short everything everything eventually told my mom I was like mom I don't know what to do I'm like trapped I don't know what to do and um she's like you have to go home like you can't stay there like what what are you doing you're so young you're jeopardizing your life here and I was like I know so I called him, I called my boss and I said to him, and like, I don't think he was trying to harm me. I really just think the like time and culture and how people work and operate in different cultures is so different. Um, but I just remember calling him and I was like, hey, I really need to go home. Like um, my stuff is in Singapore, uh, in Shanghai, you know, like I have an emergency, blah, blah, blah. Like I really need to get that work permit to go back to Shanghai. And he said to me, he's like, it's not my problem. You figure it out. And he hung up on me. Like, dun, dun, dun. It's pretty crazy now I think about it. So, yeah, here I am, 23 years old. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I'm, like, living in another country. Who the fuck is going to save me? Like, am I going to get arrested? Like, what the hell? Like, I need to go home. And I think I started crying, started like processing everything. And then he called me like an hour later. He said, hey, so, so I'm sorry. Like, we'll get the HR girl to get you a work permit to come back to Shanghai. And I'm not even sharing the full extent of the story. But yeah, I need to go home. So I ended up, um, he ended up getting me the work permit to fly back to Shanghai. And um I said to him, did I go back a second time? I can't even remember because this this is where I say it, like my life became a blur because I felt like I was in survival mode. I felt like I didn't know what I was going through and experiencing because it was like such a blur. And like I'm like getting very emotional telling this right now because I can't remember this time period in my life. And um, yeah, so I think I told him I had to go home to Canada because you know my parents needed me to go home and I couldn't be in Singapore anymore and I had to go home and he was like uh, okay so I ended up going back to Shanghai I ended up going back and working at the office but it was so awkward and I was so stressed and I was like 
what the hell do I do? How am I like this person is like not really nice and he's really putting me in a situation that makes me feel super uncomfortable. And he was like trying his best to be as nice as possible. And like I know he's a good guy, so I'm I don't hold anything against him. It's just everything turned upside down. And that's why I like when I tell you I can't remember this period of my life, I literally have lost a period of time in my life when this was happening. Um and I went back and he's like, oh, I'm not, I have this new idea. I'm going to start this app. So you can work in this other office with my developers um, where I'm starting this new app. This is like what money can buy you. You can just start a new app at any given time and it doesn't matter. So he started this like new app, hired a bunch of developers and started this new app that he thought was like going to be a revolutionary idea. So went back to China. I think he was trying to avoid me at this time because I used to work in his office where I was literally right across from him where he could see me. And I think he felt uncomfortable because like of the distress I was going through. So he sent me to work in this um, this other office with his developers because he was creating this app, which was a very interesting app. He called it the hot app anyways. So I was back in Shanghai and I was like, fuck, what do I do? Like, this is really stressful. Like, I can't keep working for this person because like they're putting me through a lot of like emotional turmoil. But what the hell do I do? It's like, what what kind of skill set do I work in? Like, this is where I started exploring different opportunities. Interestingly enough, I started interviewing at recruitment companies, which is foreshadowing for what I ended up doing when I came back home. But all of the recruitment companies were not paying as well as what I was getting paid. And it was like really hard work. And everyone that I know that was working in Asia in recruitment was saying to me, like, if you work in recruitment, you're going to start doing cocaine. And I was like, wow, that's really dramatic. But like, I don't want to do cocaine. So like, probably shouldn't work in recruitment. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then I started looking at options like teaching English, but it's actually really hard to get a job teaching English. If you look Chinese and speak English, you actually only get paid more if you look not Chinese and teach English. Guys, that's like in so like life in China was so crazy. So here I am. Still a place in Singapore, but absolutely nothing in this condo in Singapore except for furniture because I took everything back with me back in Shanghai, distressed as fuck because I'm like, I can't work for this person, but I also have to figure out what to do because I need a work permit. I need to live here. And then my body just gave up. It literally gave up on me. And I don't share this with so many people. I only shared it with a few people. But I think I have to stress the emphasis of what manifestation is and how it shows up in your life. And if you're a guy, I'm sorry, TMI, but this is the fucking truth of what happens when you put, you sacrifice your health and you allow anxiety and stress to rule your life. So I was back in Shanghai, still trying to figure out what to do, like what the hell am I supposed to do? I don't have a job. Like it just, it was such a crazy experience. And then I was like, I don't want, I can't work in recruitment because I don't want to start doing cocaine. And (laughs) I also can't work, um, I can't teach English because I look Chinese and so they won't hire me. Oh my gosh, it was just such a crazy time. 
And I don't know why I didn't think to start this business, but still starting a business is such a risk when you're trying to survive. So my body just gave up. And I know now this is a sign if I am putting myself into too much stress. And this is why I have a wounded divine feminine is that I put my body in so much stress that I had my period for over a month, just nonstop. It never stopped for an entire month because I put my body through so much stress. I went to a doctor, a Chinese doctor. I went to a Western doctor. I was like, what, what's happening? Am I dying? Because it was that immense. It like never stopped. And oh gosh, I'm so sorry if you're a guy listening to this, but it was really bad. It was really bad. And it was this like internal mechanism that told me like, you have to go home, you have to do something different, something has to change. And when I say manifestation is not just like, oh, I want to create these things. If you look up the word manifestation, it's also a definition for an ailment that manifests from your body. And so my body was telling me something is wrong. Something is extremely wrong and you have to get yourself out of this. And I'm glad I listened because I don't know what would have happened if I didn't. So I was back in China and I was like, you know, telling my mom, I was like, this is really stressful. Like I can't find another job, but like, I don't know. Like, you know, I've already put myself through so much distress, like partying the way I was partying, drinking the way I was drinking, eating the way I was eating. And um, I ended up just saying to him, I was like, hey, I have a family emergency. My parents want me to go home. I can't work for you anymore. Super sorry. I don't really know what you're going to do because, I mean, obviously, we set up this company in Singapore. We have a condo in Singapore. But, yeah, this is just too much. And I didn't even tell him my health problems. Like, that's so personal. I don't know tons of people that I told because it was so personal. And it was so scary. Um, And yeah, he was like, all right, well, I mean, what can I do? I can't force you to stay here if your parents want you to go home. And so like my parents were begging me to go home. They're like, let's go home. Like, don't stay in Asia. Like, we'll come this summer and we'll travel to Asia together. And then you come home. So he's like, let me fly you to Singapore one more time, fly to Singapore, let's um, end the lease for the condo and like empty it out. Holy guys, like this is like out of a movie. Flew back to Singapore and I like, we ended up paying for three months of rent so that we can get out of this lease early. So he ended up spending like shit ton of money to get out of this lease. I bought a bed, furniture, like things to live. And here I am, I messaged my friends in Singapore, like, do you guys want utensils? Do you want pillows? No one wanted shit. So I was literally chucking shit, like forks, knives, pillows down the garbage chute. And then I said to the realtor, I was like, I don't know what you're going to do to rent out this place, but you can keep the mattress, the bed, the chair, the couch, the TV, like all the stuff. Like, I'm, I don't need it. 
and they're like, what the fuck? Like this girl just like came and she's leaving. Like what the fuck? So I literally went back to Singapore, closed everything out, um, ended the lease for my condo, cleaned up the condo and I just left. Flew back to Shanghai and I was like, I got, I have to leave. Like this is not healthy for me. Like what I'm experiencing right now is not healthy for me. So I ended up um, staying in Shanghai for a little bit more, ended up uh, ending my lease for my condo. And I had a ton of money in China. So I had to figure out how to get that money out, um, which was another story. <laughs> the, the only thing I could say is shoebox full of renminbi. Actually, so what ended up happening is how I ended up coming back to Canada was my parents were like, we're going to come and get you. So um, they ended up flying to meet me in Vietnam. So we went on a family trip to Vietnam together. And then we went to Vietnam, to Japan, and then flew home together. So I'm super grateful that they came and um, brought me back home, I guess. But it was a wild, wild story. <laughs> told you everything it would be even crazier but that that to me is enough to tell you and it's very healing for me so if you're listening to this so that's why the way I am the way I am now I've had it I've experienced it I've traveled the world I've gone to Australia for 72 hours I've lived in the five-star hotels I've lived in Singapore I've seen millions and millions multi-millions of dollar transactions go through i've uh yeah that's why i say experience trumps everything you can't you can't read this in a book you got to experience it yourself and that's why when i say there's a difference between alignment and hustle because hustle and stress and anxiety is not worth it because the way my body paid for it i don't even know what kind of damage that did to my body but in my corporate career, I experienced that exact same ailment that happened again. Um, so that was my sign that I have to do something different. And that's why I knew I couldn't work for someone else because of the emotional stress that it brought on my body, right? I don't share this often, but you don't even realize the cost of the things that we do to have money, to uh, create success when the cost is so much higher than actually finding alignment. And that's why I've really turned to spirituality. That's why I've really turned to energy healing. That's why I've turned to this person that I am today. Um, so yeah, crazy ass fucking experience. So when I left Shanghai, I actually left in July and I decided that I was going to come back in November to, um, to actually grab all my stuff because I accumulated so much stuff in the time that I was living there. So I actually have one aunt that lived in Shanghai, um, but she doesn't speak English and we can't even really talk to each other. But like, I'm super grateful for her because I ended up having like six suitcases and I brought two home with me and I left the rest with her. So I had to come back to Shanghai again um, to get everything. So yeah, that's my story. How does everyone feel? How am I feeling? I don't even know right now. That's, it's been hard to share that because I haven't really shared that with everyone because it's sometimes hard to believe. And also 
I don't know. I think it's important to share why I am the way I am now, why, you know, everyone in the world is just wanting to travel the world and like live abroad and do all the things. And I just want to like curl up in a ball in my home and buy some decor and hang up some art. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't want to travel, but a lot of people want to travel to escape life, which was what I was doing. And now I travel to allow and not have life escape me. So that feels good to share. When you share your story, it's really healing, guys. So that was my Asia life. In a nutshell, I ended up living there from, I think, October, November until July. Came back home for like from August until I think I went back around October, November again. Went back for, um, I think, a month to travel see i don't like i'm always still traveling and i don't let things scar me i don't let things hold me back like i did experience a little bit of like ptsd going back but i still love shanghai i still think it's an amazing city i went back like again the year after i still love shanghai it's just my experience there was like really crazy and really hectic i ended up also going back to singapore and bringing chris and i'm so grateful i got to go there because you know i love traveling with him and you know, that city, I, I'm telling you, the time that I lived there, I don't remember anything because of all the stress that I was going through that I feel like I lost a period of time in memory. That's how dramatic it was. Like basically from whatever time period that I went to Singapore to when I left Shanghai, I don't remember anything. It's because I was in so much stress and so much anxiety and so much depression and i think that no one really understands like what that can look like until you actually experience it but like that was like so crazy that i don't like i literally lost that time and memory in my life and the only way i actually remember is like when i look back at pictures i was like oh yeah i lived there oh i went to that cafe all the time i went and did this because sometimes like when we're operating from a place where our ego is controlling everything we bury all the scary things in our subconscious mind and you know i was scared and i was just living from ego survival like okay i have to eat i have to go do this i wasn't even enjoying myself in like a beautiful city where typically you would probably enjoy yourself if you were living the way i was allowed to live but i just I didn't share it with everything with you guys, but the things I was going through was really scary. And so now I'm sharing this with you now because I think it's been eight, nine years I've healed. Um, it's a really cool story. And that's the why I am the way I am now because the hustle is not for me. Um, my energy is so important. Your health can never be compromised if that is happening there's definitely something wrong that is going on because that was what was going on with me and it was not right so i don't know if there's a point to this i don't know i know that a lot of people have asked to hear my asia story so as i said i my purpose in life is to live my life with purpose whether it is from a place of really uh confronting my fears and also help other people know that life can be an adventure and it doesn't have to be boring but stop watching it through a screen and actually start experiencing it because even all this craziness that has happened that happened to me that really did put me into like this 
crazy vortex. Um, I don't regret any of it. It's shaped me to become who I am today. It excelled me in my career. It got me the job that I got into that started my career to build who and my character and my skills today. Because as soon as I went back home to Canada, I ended up, you know, still doing a lot of things I did in Shanghai, which was networking. And through my networking back in home in Edmonton, I, you know, my girlfriend who I ended up meeting on Instagram introduced me to someone at Cactus Club who actually referred me to a job that I was underqualified for. But he was like, yeah, I met her at Cactus Club. She was really outgoing. So maybe you should give her a try because it was a sales job. And, um, you know, they even considered my resume, even though I didn't have sales experience. Um, they were like, wow, she's quite tenacious for a young girl to move to Shanghai. So I ended up making a lot of money in my first couple of years in my career. And I and that was my complete intention because I felt like when I moved to Shanghai, I was already years behind from my like people peers because I didn't go and get the job and climb the corporate ladder. So I wanted to come back to North America and grow as fast as possible and make as much as money as possible, all based on my ability to perform. And so what industry is that? There's only so many sales. And so I got into the recruitment industry and I didn't have to do Coke in Edmonton. <laughs> but they are, it is true though, because like, I mean, I want to like put a damp in, on the industry, but like, yeah, such foreshadowing, which was like, I ended up not working in China in recruitment and I ended up working in recruitment in Edmonton and I ended up getting a job in technology. Um, and that job was like the job description was three years of experience uh, in technology sales, talking to C-level executives, did not have that, had zero experience, but still got hired, got paid really well, climbed the corporate ladder, got promoted within like two years to launch a new division, which brought me to Vancouver. So everything comes full circle because I always wanted to move to Vancouver. It's always been a dream. It's always been a childhood dream of mine. So never try to be ashamed of your story. Like allow yourself to rewrite how you're telling your story because I could have really let that damage me. I really could have. But I am so grateful for my experience in Shanghai because now I have this fucking crazy story to tell and I am the way I am and I'm really grateful because I'm not chasing anything anymore because I really have already experienced the high life and everything really does come full circle because I literally was going to get a job in Shanghai in re recruitment and then I ended up getting a job in here in recruitment and also this is also circling back. If you have been listened this far so far, I shared the story about one of my friends who is the pilot, lawyer, photographic memory. Me and him at the time, we kept on talking like, let's, he was trying to also help me when I was in Singapore, really, really depressed and like really trying to figure out what the hell to do with my life. He's like, this was before technology and apps really got big. He's like, let's create an app together. And like, do this and this and this and like i think our app was called stitch and so it was like something that kind of gave me the saving grace that i could focus my energy on but we both weren't developers we were just ideas people we never ended up doing the app but we really wanted to do it together so the irony is i ended up working in recruitment i ended up instead of 
you know, being the tech person that I want to be, the tech CEO starting a startup, I ended up working in technology, working with startups to help them grow their team, working with developers. Um, all my friends in Shanghai were all creatives, whether they were in marketing or um, I had a lot of friends that worked at Nike, so they're all creative. So I ended up in moving to Vancouver, which is where I wanted to live ever since a child um, and working in the creative recruitment industry. So everything comes full circle. And I went to Shanghai to start the business. And now at this time, I have found the business that feels right for me, that feels aligned for me, that is my calling. So, so everything comes full circle. The point of this story is really, we're all going through things, we're all experiencing things, but life is only lived when experienced, not through a screen, not through a book. So yeah, that's my Shanghai story. That's the life that I lived in Asia. And that's probably why I am the way I am now because I have really lived a lot and I just want to be at home. And that's why I always talk about the concept of walking home because I didn't have a home for a while of my life. Like I just was floating and yeah, I, I hope this gives you some perspective and if anything, an entertaining story because I mean, this could truly be a book or a movie. All right. So if you have listened this far through this story and you're on the edge of your seat, um, that's it. <laughs> that's it. No, I mean that, I mean, <laughs> thanks for listening so far. I feel like it's very healing to share that story and I hope it inspires you and it inspires me to continue to live in my journey and my purpose, which is here to help you live your purpose. You know, I'm someone who lives with purpose. I'm not someone that just watches through a screen and hopes that it'll happen to me one day. I go and make it happen, the good, bad, the bad, the ugly, and the fun, the joyful, and the experience. So thank you so much for tuning into this week's Soul Seeker Pod, Soul Seekers podcast. This episode is a little bit different from all my other episodes, but I know it's been a requested one. I got a lot of people asking, when are you going to tell your China story? When are you going to tell your Asia story? Well, there's the Cole's notes of my Asia story. Basically, moved to Shanghai, one-way ticket, got a job, the company, the guy that I was working for, great guy, I still think he's a great guy, just Chinese lifestyle and way of handling business, very different from me, almost died, basically bled myself to death to and decided that I was going to, you know, time to escape communist China and go back home where I'm safe, where I'm grounded, where I just want to be like, you know, not you know, where I, I know where I am now. I'm at home. That's why I always talk about the concept of going home. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you could see and imagine. And <laughs> obviously, I really think this could be a movie or a book. Maybe I'll write it one day. But I hope you enjoyed this. If you listen this far, if you like listen to the story, message me and let me know. Message me at this must be Lily on Instagram and let me know your thoughts because you know, talking about things are healing. So with lots of love, Lily.
Thank you so much for tuning in to the Soul Seekers podcast with Lily. It means the world to me that you've lent your soul, your ears, your presence to be here with me. And I hope more than anything that you've gotten another level of awareness through this podcast. I can't wait to continue to share this journey with you. If you haven't followed me yet, follow me on social at This Must Be Lily. And if you liked what you heard today, please feel free to like and subscribe. And if you're looking for further ways to work together, check out the link in my bio. More than anything, I hope that you have the courage to pursue the life of your dreams because your dreams are meant to be actualized. With lots of love, Lily. Thank you.